Hello and welcome. I'm Lauren Morris, and you might know me as the founder and director of AdLib Theater. You also might know me as the voice you hear on the podcast, The Improv Teachers. I'm bringing this experimental project to your ears to see how it goes and where it will lead. I'm calling it The Director's Cut. Every week or so, I'm going to give you a peek into the mind of what I, the artistic director, am looking for when I watch our Saturday night shows here at AdLib. It's my job to ensure the standards and vision of the theater are in place with our performers week after week. I look at the big picture, and perhaps some of my observations can help sharpen your very own improv muscles. I'll give you a quick recap of the lineup of the week, and then a little bit about the shows, and tell you what I thought worked, what didn't work, why, and perhaps some tips on how to keep growing. Thanks for listening, and now, on to the Director's Cut. Our Saturday night shows are usually made up of three different sets, and we try to highlight different formats. This week, we had some of our seasoned students hit the stage with some of our house team performers, and they performed what we call an airplane, which is a mono scene. And a mono scene takes place entirely over the course of real time. Everyone plays only one character, no tag outs, no edits. You can have entrances and exits, but you've got to be that same character the entire time. What makes a format like this successful are the strong character games and relationships. So we need strong points of view and big playable gifts. Those relationships we talk about aren't things like mom, dad, cousins, roommates, but it's the interaction between the two characters in the moment, not talking about things in the past or in the future, but right there in the moment working together. Things we start to think about when uh, we bring our characters in, um, if we're really listening and reacting to one another, is do they like each other? Do their characters work well together? And if not, what kind of conflict is going to be happening? And then we start to explore that throughout the format. What was great about this particular set was that our characters were well-defined from the top. They were using more show than tell to help their games. They were listening to one another and they were, by doing that, they were reacting to one another and reinforcing the games with one another. And the characters also getting established are setting up expectations for the audience members. So if somebody is a hothead, we want to see them be a hothead throughout. Now their intensity and the levels of they play a hothead might be different, but we don't all of a sudden want them to be cool, calm, and collected unless they've taken us on that journey of transformation. Typically though, we just stay a hothead and those expectations being met bring about a lot of laughs for the audience. Our personal, st- our, our stage at AdLib is, is pretty small, and that's fine because you can do improv anywhere, but our actors did a great job of like showing their environment. So they were using their overhead luggage and they were finding items their characters would have And this really helps elevate our improv scenes to a more 3D experience. It also helps us find what we call that next thing in an improv scene, right? There's no script, so like I need to keep finding the next thing. The environment, going to it, painting with it, whatever it is, will help us find that next thing because our character will react through the lens of whatever their character game is or their drive or their their playable gift or their point of view. And that will help us get to the next thing so we never have to panic in a scene. Something that's really important in this format as well is the idea of give and take. Because we're unfolding in real time, because we don't have tag outs, characters need to although this is true of all forms, we need to be listening to each other, but we need to be really knowing when a character has 
talked quite a lot or when it's time to back off from our own character game and start playing with somebody else's character game. The other thing is when you stop listening, you're also saying to your partners, hey, I've got all this to say and I think it's more important, when really that's not what you're trying to do and that's not the person you want to be. So trust the process and trust yourself. Sometimes in this set, we saw a little too much talking over one another and that means we aren't listening and reacting. We're not being mindful, we're not staying in the moment. We're gonna land up missing an offer from our partner that we could react to easily as our character versus constantly talking and then missing it and then not knowing what to do next. So then we keep talking because we wanna find what's next and then it just becomes this cycle. We just gotta really work on those fundamentals and this set really highlighted how important it is and it was a super fun set and they had a lot of great moments and it was a lot of fun and having those strong characters is it's really what helped them sustain uh, this set over a long period of time. The other show that we had was from our Resco team. Resco players uh, are players that have been through AdLib, have met our standards and who practice weekly together um, with a coach and the great thing about this team is how they play with a sense of whimsy and play and fast-paced antics they are known to uh, perform the slacker which also has no hard sweep edits and only uses the tag out to move us forward so we don't go backwards in slacker we keep trying to go forward on the surface slacker is a simple format but really it's nuanced and it relies on callbacks and patterns and making bold moves and lots of listening. And it's not as easy as it appears. This week, we also had some subs because of some absences. And I also jumped in to help uh, round out the numbers for the, for the set this week. Um, I can tell you with Slacker, we don't want to get stuck in just two-person scenes. That will uh, give us more of a narrow focus, uh, and you won't get to go as wide and as deep. So auxiliary characters peppering themselves throughout, as well as scene painting and using that environment, really help make a slacker become robust and, and really let it shine. I think this week what, um, what happened was we landed up with a more narrow slacker, and that could be for a variety of reasons. One is Whenever you're subbing on a team, you tend to play more of like, I'm a guest here. And so maybe you're not making as big a decisions as you want. And that's fine, that happens. The other thing is pacing. And that really requires our players on the wings to know when to tag out, to make some big moves at strategic times. And I think it was just a tad off. And I suspect that comes again from the judging ourselves. My tip on that one, which is so much easier said than done, is to stop judging yourself. What I will do personally is if I start to hear that internal voice and I start to judge myself, I will quickly say, listen to your partner, make a you statement, because now I have to focus on my partner. And if I'm focusing on my partner, that's requiring me to be mindful and in the moment, and I can't do both at the same time. So that's just a little tip. The other big note on this set, which by the way, overall was a lot of fun, was one scene, it was one scene and scenario where we punched down instead of punching up. For those of you who may be new to comedy, punching uh, up 
is a term for deploying powerful techniques of criticism and rhetoric to critique and dismantle power structures. Very fancy, right? So rather than harm people who are disempowered relative to ourselves, uh, the idea is to make fun of powerful people and institutions rather than disempowered people. So when you punch down, you're going after people who are already parts of groups or individuals with less power. And that's just makes everyone uncomfortable and it also makes your audience um, worry about the welfare of those characters and if they're worrying then they're not relaxed and they're not having fun and the energy and mood will change drastically so we need to be mindful of the concept of punching up and punching down and we need to be sort of a bit cognizant and say to ourselves you know when we're about to make a move is this going to punch up or punch down both of our rescue teams have actually had this happen to them in the past month, and both scenarios included person in power physically harming another person not in power. And already, this doesn't sound funny, right? So I think sometimes we're just in the moment and things are happening really fast. We're making quick decisions. But again, these are performers who train every week. So they need to be using their self-editing muscles, and they need to be just doing uh, the expectation is they know better and what we work off of is the person who knows better does better i would also argue that in this case why or any case um so if we're punching up and we're looking to dismantle power why not look at like institutions instead of like an individual and also why not look at it in a different or unique way versus like a physicalization of hurting someone because again if we're working off of philosophy that our scene partners are rock stars then why would we want to physically harm them so those are questions that um, I constantly ask myself when I'm on stage and that is something that of course is addressed with the teams uh, privately in their notes about you know the very specifics of it um, and how to make those stronger choices in the moment because choices are made but the consequences is also that your audience is gonna back off a little bit and then you're gonna feel that energy shift and then your show is gonna feel a little bit different and as a result your show may not have been as strong as it can be and we all know that this team is capable of just being not good but great and that's what we're always striving for right what i love about when things like this happen is that it's an amazing opportunity to pause reflect learn and grow None of this is intentional. I know these teams, I know these people, and we discuss it, we walk through it, and we talk about what we were thinking, and then we devise action steps for scenarios like this. Because that's the thing with improv. This scene and this show will never happen again, which is fantastic, but this scenario or something like that will probably happen again, and now we need tools to work well under pressure because that's what we're doing as improvisers. We're constantly adapting to ever-changing circumstances while we're under pressure. Uh, in the end though, it was a fun and solid set and it won the audience back. Finally, as we always do on Saturday nights, we ended with our house team, Randy Jugby and Jamboree. And uh, Randy is known to perform the Herald. My favorite thing about Herald is that it can be molded, manipulated, and stretched to meet the needs of any team and their aesthetic. So the Herald typically takes six people to perform it. We had five, but we've been doing this long enough that we can perform a Herald with five people. And uh, we also know that what feels right in the moment is more important than a correct structure. So we'll somewhat let those numbers and 
whatnot influence how we're going to approach the herald. In this case, we landed up doing a pretty standard herald. For us, we have certain goals. So we like to, unlike a training wheels herald, where it's two-person scene, two-person scene, two-person scene with A, B, and C, we actually like to heighten in the first beat, uh, throw out some characters and raise those stakes a bit. So uh, we also start with an opening, just like every heralds do. And the whole point of an opening is also to create some ideas that we're going to be working off of. And this week we did our invocation opening that we do a little differently than most teams do when they run an invocation. And uh, this was mostly a very strong herald. Um, we like to go very deep into our, our second beat. And by that, I mean, stay away, get away or explore from the original characters and really see where the worlds can go so when we get to the third beat it's easy to collide and explode those worlds we work best just like improv works best when we're clear about our intentions our characters and our environment we do that by communicating out loud on stage using a lot of you statements using a lot of i statements staying in the now using our environment scene painting all of that helps us keep our improv moving forward what I really liked this week was that with the suggestion and coming off the invocation, our first scene started off real strong with a physical choice in the environment, and there was no hesitation, and that will always get you going. Traps you might find yourself that could be a pitfall is you come off your opening and then everyone sort of takes a moment and then two people step out and they're in what I call the herald position and they're just staring at each other and they're using a bunch of words. That's not really a strong start for a herald. So jumping out right away and in this case clicking on lights uh, all over the place, expressing where you think you are, even if it's boring, it doesn't matter, let's get it going, and just taking off from there. A few things that we noted was that um, at one point we did like this trick-or-treating Halloween scene and uh, it was uh, like the teen child went out on their own, but then it landed up that the teen child was also pretty sexually active. And we all agreed that we really want to stay away from anything that's like under 18. Uh, It can be uncomfortable for the audience. It can be uncomfortable for the players. And honestly, we're better than those choices but we also said that like in the moment this is what happened and it would at least at the very least it was teens interacting with teens and, and nothing inappropriate uh, everybody was making conscious and consensual choices but we all agreed that um we're just going to stay away from the underage stuff and we don't really need to go super vulgar which happens from time to time because again we know we're better than that but it was a it was a pretty well-executed Herald. It was a lot of fun to be in, especially with just five people, so you never know what's going to happen. And it was really just really a lot of fun. So that was this week's shows. Hopefully you got something from that. We're going to test drive this episode a bit, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, this has been The Director's Cut with Lauren Morris. Lauren Morris.